0: All units stand three. It now appears as though shots are being fired. All officers use caution. It has been confirmed. Suspects are armed and are firing at police. 660 on the air, North Max Signal 10. Building fire. Headquarters, North Max Signal Fire Department, 1000 North Roadway towards Northwalk Drive in North Albany. Multiple explosions coming from 661. Unable to get any.
1: Hey, welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this podcast is here to teach you everything you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. And today we're doing just that. We are answering your scanner radio questions that have been submitted to us via either SpeakPipe or also our local United States number, which again is 516-308-2885. Now, we do these podcast episodes, these special episodes that we do on the first Tuesday of every month. So again, if you have a question that you would like me to answer, I've got several ways for you to submit your questions. You can, again, dial 516-308-2885. That goes right to voicemail and you can leave me a a message and I will play it back and answer it on a future podcast. Or you can go to scannerschool.com slash ask. From there, you can click on the SpeakPipe link. Again, leave me a voicemail using SpeakPipe. Or you could just type me your message. Now we always give priority to the messages that come in with your own voice. So those go those get pushed to the top of the list. And we also put you in a running for a free tutoring session our tutoring sessions where you and i sit down at the computer we can do it face to face screen to screen basically over zoom and then i can help you because i can see what's going on on your computer screen so i can help you with programming your radio or, or or navigating through radio reference or helping with software and getting you up and running with your scanner so it's it's basically i'm sitting next to you and helping you out so again if you want to win a free tutoring session ask me your question via SpeakPipe or our local number or you can book me for a tutoring session if that's easier for you. And I've done plenty of those. And you can go to scannerschool.com tutoring. Now, again, tonight, if you're catching this live, we we'll will be on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to answer your questions. That'll be 8 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. And if you've missed it, you can always catch a replay over on our YouTube channel. So what's been going on here in the shack the past week? Well, I'm so glad you asked no I'm kidding it's it's one of these things I like to um at least give a little bit of feedback as to what I'm doing here because again, some weeks I am very busy with just work and the hobby takes a back seat. but some weeks I get a little fire under my tail and I seem to accomplish a lot Now a lot of this I accomplish on a Friday night after a really busy week of work. So while it sounds like a lot of stuff has happened, really, it's all compressed down to really a Friday night and an entire Saturday. So what do we do this week? Well, we were playing around with our mmdvm hotspot which again is a amateur radio hotspot that we can use to connect to digital systems such as dmr nxdn p25 yesu fusion and even d star and a lot of people say hey this is cheating because you're not really using the radio world well reality is you are now i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of one of these deals, right? <laughs> I get it. I was very anti-Echolink because in my mind, Echolink was nothing more than voiceover IP. Basically, I was sitting in front of my computer and I was just using my computer's microphone speakers to talk to somebody else on Echolink. It wasn't really true amateur radio in the sense that I understood it. But when it comes to using your MMDVM, well, are you are you cheating? Are you still not using amateur radio? No, I'm still talking into a two-way radio. That two-way radio though is being received By a hotspot that's on my wireless network. Now that wireless network or that that hotspot rather then gateways that information out towards the internet through a talk group where other amateurs are listening and also who I'm communicating with and then their hotspots will then retransmit that data, and they will receive it with their radio. So effectively, they have their own private simplex repeater operating in their house or mobile, because a lot of people take these hotspots and they take them mobile with them, and they use their cellular cellular devices. But there's also plenty of amateur radio repeaters that are out there that are also tied into these talk groups. Now, just like Echolink used to be a backbone for a lot of people to be able to get on bridge repeaters that way you're still using a true a true radio to get on the network so to me it's more of a real amateur radio side of things and you can listen to people talking all over the place france italy the us the uk canada i was i was watching somebody if you look at my videos uh i forget exactly where they were but just in general all over all over the globe are all on this worldwide talk group. And it's very interesting to listen to. Now, again, if you don't have a hotspot and you haven't have an radio license, you can always go on to the brandmeister.network website, sign up for an account there, and you can live stream the talk groups and you can hear actually who's on there and who's talking and everything else like that as well. So my big thing this weekend was to set up my hotspot, my MMDV and hops, MMDVM hotspot, to park on both the Brandmeister and... And the TGIF network. So before or prior, I was reconfiguring it every time I wanted to switch networks, which is a real pain in the neck. I would either be on Brandmeister or I would be on TGIF. Well, I tripped on some information during the week and discovered that I can actually leave the hotspot on both networks. And by setting up some talk group routing in the hotspot itself and changing the way my talk groups were on the radio then I could actually get on both networks. So after about an hour of tinkering and, and redoing my co plug Friday night, I was actually able to bridge both networks together on a single hotspot, which is really cool. So now I can monitor the Brandmeister talk groups, and I can also monitor TGIF. So if you're on TGIF, I have been parking myself over on talk group 1033, which is the scanner and software radio junkies talk group. And I guess that's run by Kenneth Fowler, who's been on the podcast before. And Kenneth was actually on the podcast talking about all of this specific stuff on session 91. So if you want a refresher and a good 30 minute or so episode on just how all this works, I'm I'm compressing it down to about five minutes. That's where you can grab more information about that one. But as with anything happens around in my house, one thing kind of uncovers another thing, right? So I quickly discovered that, well, Things didn't sound right. Even after I tuned up my MMDVM, things sound very robotic on the, on the radios. So I then went ahead and I tweaked the settings in the MMDVM, and my quality went up. But then I also noticed, too, that when I was using my, my TYT MD380, it sounded great on the desk. It worked fine. Everything I heard was coming through my TRX-1. Perfect. Then I was trying to talk to Ken the other day on the uh, 1033 talk group, and I was missing most of his conversations. and I really couldn't figure out why. So then I broke out my Linko. This morning, and I programmed up my Linko uh, MD5, which was my first DMR radio that I purchased, and uh, I discovered the audio was really low on that radio, and I could barely hear it, but my MD380 was working fine again, so I go ahead and pick up the radio, and I start giving it a squeeze, and I hear, which was a dirty contact in the speaker. So, is the speaker making bad contact with the board? Uh, Is there something else going on? I don't know, but I'll be taking that radio apart now for the second time to see if I can uh, poke around inside and see if there's anything that's loose in there. Maybe it's a good excuse to buy an AnyTone radio at this point and forego um, repairing the 380 I did pick up the 380 and and an Alliance, Alliance, Aliens. I don't know what they, what it is, but it's an HD one Uh, radio Oddity makes the same kind of radio. I I picked those two radios up with a whole pile of other radios that came in a box, flat rate fee kind of deal. It was a mix and match of all TYTs, Baofungs, and then these two radios were also sitting in there. And, um... I may have had to program up the HD one, but I don't know with anything else. Like I said, you know, one project always seems to uncover another project. And I also tried to spend some time tying into the DMR plus network failed miserably up to two hours. I don't know if I even need to monitor that one, but if anybody has any hints or trips, hits or tricks on how to use your MMDVM hotspot with a DMR plus system, let me know. I can't seem to, to link any groups. I can definitely get a stash report by adding an 8 in front of all the talk groups, so I know that I can get it to tell me it's unlinked. I know when the, when the unit reboots that it's telling me it's unlinked, but I can't seem to establish a connection with any reflector, so I don't know. But that's that's where I've been uh, just on a Friday night with, with just all that, basically. Now, yesterday, Saturday, we released Module 10 of the Advanced SDR course, so if you have access to our advanced software-defined radio course. You now have access to Module 10, which is full of 27 lessons all going through SDR Console. We have module 11 back from the editor. That one has been sent up to our our education platform or our teachable platform. I have to go through that this week, hopefully, and just make sure everything makes sense. Module 12 has been recorded, and I'm doing a rough edit on that before it goes to the editor. And module 13 has also been recorded. And again, that one has to go through a rough edit before it goes to the editor. Holy cow, we are making some progress, finally, on that course. Now, if you want to check out our advanced SDR course or even our free SDR course, you can go to courses.scannerschool.com. So, I'd say it's been a busy week in the shack, but it's really just been a busy two days here. Finally, two has begun this week, we've been going crazy on uh, video shorts. So, we've been doing TikTok and Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts, we had a second viral video this week on our TikTok account. It's gotten a lot of traction. In fact, it's been a couple of days. I'm still getting comments on that one, uh, really rocketing our profile up there. And I think at the last count, it's got nearly 39,000 views on it so far. So if you want to go check out that video, you can check us out by going to scannerschool.com slash TikTok. You don't need a TikTok account. I know a lot of people are against it, but, um, Hey, there's views there, so I'll keep making content over there. So, crazy week. Let's get on to uh, <laughs> the meat and potatoes of the podcast. But before we do that, let's just take care of some extra housekeeping. Now, before we get any further in this week's podcast, I want to take a few minutes to thank our Patreon supporters. Now, Patreon is an affordable way for you to support the podcast and our upcoming expansion into YouTube for 2022. So, think of Patreon as the PBS model Of helping out Scanner School. For a monthly or yearly donation, not only do you help support the podcast, but depending on your donation tier, you'll receive certain benefits. The most popular benefit tier being our $5 a month or the $51 a year tier. It's the same tier, we just discount if you could pay us over a year. Now, this tier offers the podcast and YouTube videos early, and also you receive a free squelchy pack of stickers, several discounts, and access to our monthly live Scanner Radio Roundtable discussion we hold monthly on Zoom. Oh, and by the way, most of the Patreon levels also get a special version of the podcast that does not include the middle advertising break in each episode. Now find out more about Patreon and our supporting tiers by visiting scannerschool.com Patreon. I'd also like to take a moment here and thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Heron, Bill K, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pascoe, David C, Denny Crowdy, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, Jacques Barry, James Broxton, James Felling, James Peruta, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jenny Taylor, Jim B, Jim Heinrich, Joe Curtis, Joe Kordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Mike Lopez, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Paul Seash, Randy Cummings, Randy Lee Wright, Raymond Hill, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Scott Lefgren, Tim Mazza, Ted Glendie, and William Arcand. All right, let's jump into our very first question. This one comes in from Ed. Ed, go ahead and take it away. I am looking
0: for GM GRMS clubs in the Hartford area. I have a 805G handheld now but I cannot find anybody that will acknowledge me and I do have a license can you please help me and I checked uh, my GMRS I belong to that and I belong to the other one too thank you
1: all right Ed really sorry to hear that you're not making uh, any contacts or even getting any help with GMRS to be honest with you I'm not really too active on GMRS even though I have a license for it and I am a member of our local GMRS club, which is BridgeCom. Uh, It used to be called S-H-T-F-L-I, which was when, you know, it hits the fan Long Island. Uh, Disaster recovery team, basically, that uh, came to be right after Hurricane Sandy, and they wanted to make sure that people had the ability to not only communicate, but also to help each other out if a disaster ever hit Long Island. Now, again, we do have Aries and races and stuff like that in the amateur radio world, but these guys stepped in to build their own Their own linked repeater system and whatnot. Really good group of guys. But here's some troubleshooting steps because I'm not really sure that you're being ignored, to be honest with you. That really doesn't seem like it would be something that anybody at a GMRS network would typically go out of their way to ignore you. Not to say that there's not some people out there that would do that it could just be that some people do hear you and they just don't want to respond back to you because they're only there to talk to their buddies and sometimes when you say I'm in I'm listening or I need a health check or radio check or something like that they just don't they just don't step up because really they just don't want to talk to anybody but there's some things you can do on your end to ensure that you're actually getting out and getting somewhere cuz maybe it's just not that they're ignoring you, but you're just not hitting the repeater. And just because you can get the repeater to acknowledge back that you get the courtesy tone doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything that can be heard or deciphered on that signal. So, what might I mean? Well, have you checked the forward power on your radio? In other words, did you plug in a Viswar meter, a Watt meter between your antenna and your radio to see if you have any power going forward? It's possible you're putting out too low, too low power, or maybe you're putting out just enough. That's then that's fine. Then we know that okay, the radio is radiating right. It's putting out power. Well, what about if you do a reverse or reflected power? How much power is going from the antenna back? to your radio you shouldn't get any power or very minimal power coming back to your radio if you're getting full reflective value back you say you're pushing out 10 watts and 10 watts is coming back to you then you know what your antenna is no good or your coax line is no good you have to start figuring out what is what is causing that to reflect now when you have a Vizwar meter it makes it very simple and very easy because you can go right into the Vizwar settings and it'll tell you is it, are you 1 to 1 1.5 to 1 Two to one, right? You want to make sure you are as close to one to one as possible. That's optimal, ideal conditions. I think anything more than 1.5 to one is really starting to ride the line of being unacceptable and you really have to go in there and start figuring out what might be wrong. Two to one or higher, higher? Uh-uh, no way. You'll blow out your uh, your radio with that one. Now, do you have audio? Are you able to listen to yourself on a secondary radio or a scanner to even see if your microphone is working? Because if you're keying up the repeater and you're and you're in there full quiet, but you have no audio, then again nobody's going to acknowledge you because you're not really putting any audio out on the repeater. So use a scanner to find out or a secondary radio to find out if you are being heard. Now remember. If you're too close to your transmitter and you're putting out too many watts, right, you might actually cause your scanner to uh, desensitize or to go mute. So you may want to listen to, if you can't hear the repeater itself when you're doing that, at least check the output or the input of the repeater rather to see if you are putting audio out over the air. Again, it's better to do that on a simplex channel with low power through a dummy load. That's the way I I would recommend doing it. But again, not everybody has access to all these things and I'm assuming maybe you don't. Okay, what else do we want to look at? Well, let's look at, again, you said you're a member of mygmrs.com. Great website, by the way. I'm subscribed to their weekly newsletter or weekly updates to anything that happens in the, uh, the area as far as repeaters go. And again, look at the list. Are the repeaters in your neighborhood, are they open or are they shut? In other words, are they closed networks? Again, if a stranger shows up on a closed system, they may not acknowledge you because they want you to go away because you're not part of a paying membership. What I would recommend doing is get a radio, get a scanner that doesn't have any PL on it and scan through all the GMRS frequencies. Chances are good that you'll have a net one night during the week that you can check into. This will be a good barometer to figuring out, am I not making the net or am I being ignored? Because a net control station is going to naturally acknowledge every single radio station that is registering or or um, checking into the net, okay? So if, like for example here, on the disaster recovery, the BridgeCom network that we have here, every Sunday at 8 p.m., they run a local check-in net. And they will ask anybody to check in. They'll acknowledge by call sign who has checked in. Sometimes they ask for a little piece of information or a name or location or a weather condition, something like that to at least give you like a little bit of training as part of just checking in. If you check into the net and they acknowledge you, then you know, okay, I have audio, it's working, somebody acknowledged me, this is great. And maybe you can hang out after the net and say, hey, can you give me a radio check or am I coming in the repeater? Or if you're not coming in the repeater, net control station will say, hey, there's a station coming in there, all we have is a blank carrier, or there's a station coming in, and they're all noise, they're all static, I can't make out the call sign, can you try checking in phonetically? Or can somebody give us a relay? That'll be a good indication, too, that you're not making the repeater. Nobody's ignoring you. They just can't understand what you're saying, right? There's a lot of different things here that we can do. If all else fails on this one and you can't find a local club to help you out, try falling back and looking at an amateur radio club that's in your area. A lot of amateur radio operators also have their GMRS ticket. And that could be a way to get help as well. You go on, maybe you email their information net and say, hey, you know, I'm not a licensed amateur radio operator, but I'm thinking about getting my ham ticket. I'm having a lot of trouble with my GMRS setup here. I can't seem to get in repeaters. Is there anybody out there that can come by and take a look at my equipment and maybe see what's going on with this? And again, there's plenty of friendly ham radio operators out there that will be more than happy to give you a hand or go down a local ham fest and bring your gear with you. Maybe there's somebody down there that's got a tune-up table that can actually bench test your radio and make sure that you're putting out power and that um, you know you have audio and that your radio is aligned and everything is good to go. You don't know what, what you don't know type of deal, right? You don't know if your radio is not working unless somebody tells you it's not working. So I know it's really not scanner radio related, but again, use your scanner to verify that you are at least getting out there. Use your scanner to at least monitor all the GMRS frequencies to find a local net, use the mygmrs.com website to get the PL code that you'll need to transmit or the DPL code you'll need to transmit to get into the net. And I think with all of that, you know, you'll know, you be able to, uh, to at least get a handle on what is going on with your GMRS setup. I wish you the best of luck. And uh, please check in and let us know that if you finally were able to get in a repeater and get on the air. All right. Our next question comes in from Jake Jacobson. Jake, go ahead with your question, please. Hello, Phil. This is, uh, Jake Jacobson.
0: I have a 996P2 and I just have some questions on programming it. My main question is the quick keys. Do I, on my P25 system, I live in Iowa, do I have to assign every quick key to a site or can I assign my quick key to a group to where it's, I can enable the Quick key to scan just the group with the site included without assigning the uh, site with the quick key. Hope that makes sense. Thank you.
1: All right, Jake, yeah, quick keys can be a bit of uh, a headache <laughs> unless until you can figure them out. Now to be honest with you, I normally only do quick keys based on the sites. Uh, I was doing them for the groups. When, and then when I started programming scanners for, for other people and customers, I really started to realize it was, this was causing a lot of headaches for a lot of people. They would accidentally lock out a group, and then they would say, oh, my scanner's not working. I can't I can't hear anything. Well, that's because they accidentally locked out the dispatch groups. And, of course, when you do that, then everything breaks loose. On some of my scanners, right, I understand how they work a little bit. So if, if I put in groups, I'll put groups for, like, the nine battalions that are in my uh, in my area here. And then the 10th group would be the countywide stuff. It just happens to work out well that well. The county over for me doesn't work that well because there's 10 divisions plus county-wide. So I kind of take 8 and 9 and 10 and bring them all into one key. But getting ahead of myself here with an answer for you. So you need to first program in a system quick key, an SQK. This is the top row of your scanner, right? The S0 through 9, and then the S1 through 19, right? So the 10 through 19, 20 through, right? That's that first row, the S dash, 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 dash. The second row, the one below that one, the F1, that's right. That's the second list. I think it says F, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while since I've looked at a 996 or any of those DMA scanners. But um, that's the secondary list, right? That's that's the the list that you want to talk about here. But again, you've got to program up the sites first. Now, if you listen to last week's podcast, we talked about optimizing your scanner for sites, right, and systems with multiple sites. So what you would do is you would create a system, whatever you call it, right? You create a system on your scanner using a profile. Then in that system, you're going to create all of the sites. Maybe it's one site. Maybe it's half a dozen sites. Whatever it is, those sites have to be defined. Now, each one of those sites can have an independent system quick key or they can all be mapped to the same system quick key, okay? So, for example, if I wanted to lock out all of that one one system, map them all the same key, when you toggle that system key, boom, that trunk system disappears from your scan list. But if you've got maybe a north and a south and you want to be able to toggle north and south off, then when you create your system, then you create your sites, you would assign the north site to a key and then the south site to a key, okay? You've got to toggle the system offer on first. It's the hierarchy. It's the parent of the, you know, the 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 way it's programmed, the children become the talk groups. So now what you can do is you can create all the groups, and inside the groups, you can put the talk groups. So maybe the groups you want to build are countywide. And "Well, we'll use my example here, right? So I've got nine departments, nine battalions in my local county here. So what I do is I've got a group set up for one through nine is battalion one through nine. Zero is my countywide stuff, okay? Well, that's conventional We'll make believe it's trunking <laughs> before anybody starts fact-checking me here. And what you would do is you would, like I said, you'd set up all 10 keys or all 10 groups with a key. And again, you can set up up to, I think, 20, 20 groups, I think. And again, they can all be, I think they can all be mapped to multiple keys. I'm not mistaken. Regardless, what you have to do, though, is you've got to make sure that you've got the site key unlocked or enabled. That gives you access to the group keys. If the site is locked out or disabled, you cannot toggle it with a group key. You've got to have the parent, then the child. Now, if you've got two keys for the same system, right? So you've got the north and the south, like we talked about before, which might be key one and key two for the system. Again, you can then have that group is still a child of the system, right? It goes system, site, group so if you lock out the north but you saw the south enabled on a separate system key those talk groups or those groups would still be unlocked and still be able to be locked and unlocked because you still have a site enabled in the scan list i know it's a bit confusing but this is how groups work system keys work rather they are confusing by nature okay I think that's a lot of the the problems that people had. And that's why I really don't do groups all that often. I like to just play around with the system keys because to me, they align more with scan lists or scan banks. The groups can be thought of sub banks in that scan list. So you've got bank, sub bank, system key, group key. That's the best way to program and think about how these scanners work and operate. I know it's a quick answer. I know it's technical a little bit, but I think based on the way you've asked your question, I think you'll understand the answer and everybody else out there too. We'll we'll work on some ways of explaining this a little bit better. This has definitely been a stumbling block for a lot of people, and um, we'll figure out a good way to get this into an explanation in video format for all of you. All right. On the other side of this break, we're going to continue with another question that came in. It's been a lengthy question, lengthy answer, but we're going to make sure we tackle that one. And for anybody who is a Patreon supporter, don't forget, at the $3 level, you do not get this break coming up. By the way, anybody who's a $5 Patreon supporter or higher, don't forget, you'll be able to join me tonight as well for our Patreon-only roundtable discussion. And for anybody who misses that one, can check out your Patreon platform for an entire replay Of that conversation. All right, we'll be right back after this break. Hey, did you realize it takes us almost $100 a week just to have this podcast episode professionally edited and sent over to you? This doesn't even include website and podcast hosting, administrative help, and other monthly subscriptions that are required to put the podcast out there. Now, you can help us offset these costs when you shop online. So if you're looking for a scanner, radio, or some software, looking to bid on items over on eBay, or if you're looking to purchase anything, and I mean anything, on Amazon, you can help support Scanner School in the process. And this doesn't come at any extra cost to you. So please check out scannerschool.com slash support for the multiple different ways that we have out there that you can help support us when you shop online. Again, scannerschool.com/support. Are you looking to learn more about the scanner radio hobby? We currently have courses on how to get started and up and running with software-defined radios and how to turn your SDR into a fully functioning scanner radio. With free software, you can see more and do more with trunking than ever before. And with new courses scheduled for the upcoming months, our offerings will be expanding into both Uniden and Whistler hardware and software. Check out our courses at scannerschool.com or by looking for the link in this podcast description. <coughs> National Communications Magazine is your personal library of Scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. Visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issue and sign up today. Did you know that a pager can make a great addition to your scanner radio collection? And even if I didn't own East Coast Pagers, I still have one or maybe a couple of pagers as a part of my scanner radio setup. This is because a pager can be used to just monitor your local fire department or your regional departments, and if you set it up correctly to alert you when the tones are sent over the air, then the pager will remain silent until you need to know what is going on. This frees up your scanner to monitor everything else that's going on besides your local stuff or can prevent you from missing the local stuff because your scanner is busy doing other things. Now, pagers aren't just limited to fire dispatches anymore. Unication has great solutions to monitor both analog and P25 paging systems where many public safety and police departments are switching over to. Swisscom and Apollo make great analog solutions as well, and all three still sell PogSac and Flex pages, still in use by many departments for text alerting. East Coast Pagers is an Apollo, Swiss phone, and unication dealer serving the North American market, and of course is one of my online companies. So if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, contact us for a free quote and let us know you're a Scanner School listener for something a little extra with your order. For all full inventory or to request a quote or just to contact us, please visit eastcoastpagers.com.
0: Hey, Phil. This is Scott Wheeler. I want to thank you for promptly responding to my last email and here's what I would like for you to do for me if you would please. I would like for you to make for me step-by-step, drag-by-drag, click-by-click instructions on how to program the Uniden SDS-200 and the Uniden BCD-536HP. Now, I will be using Sentinel software and a Windows computer on which I will follow your instructions. And if you would please number each one so that I can follow them easily. Here are my questions. Number one, how do I format a previously used card, ID card, SD card, excuse me. Number two, how do I copy a previously loaded SD card to another SD card? Number three, how do I update the firmware? Number four, how do I set up a favorites list? And number five, how do I update the database? Now, I would be certainly willing to uh, pay you for your trouble, your time, and your expenses that you may incur. I was thinking maybe somewhere in the... per hour range, the same as you uh, get for tutoring. And when you are done and uh, you send me a bill or a statement or something, then I would get you a certified check from the bank and send it directly to you. And I want to thank you. I really want to thank you for your time and your willingness to do this for me. I, I really need some help. I will be looking forward to your positive response.
1: All right, Scott. Great, great question. And yeah, this is something that is best done on a tutoring session, to be honest with you. I've done several tutoring sessions where people have asked these exact same questions. And um, we can do it from a computer over Zoom. And I'm I'm fairly confident based on previous people who have helped. That by the end of an hour-long phone call, I would have been able to answer all these questions for you, guided you through them, and actually had you controlling the computer and telling you where to point and click so that you can continue to do this on your own. Right now, we'll be going through it on a podcast episode, but I'm going to actually do it on my computer so I can explain the step-by-step information for you so that you can listen to this audio and follow along. So here we go. I'm going to bring up Sentinel on my computer and let's go through your questions one step at a time. All right. To answer your first question is, how do you format a previously used SD card? Very simple. What you're going to do is you're going to put your SD card into your computer with a SD card reader. Or you can put it into your SDS-200 or your BCD-536. By the way, everything we talk about here is identical for both radios. They're basically the same radio when it comes to programming a Sentinel. So what you'll do is you'll you'll mount that, you mount the, the scanner as if it's a hard drive. Basically, you'll turn on mass storage or you will plug in that micro SD card into a SD card reader on your computer. Wait for the drive to mount in Windows. You'll see, you know, new drive mounted, drive E, drive D, drive F, whatever it happens to be. You'll see it. You also go down to uh, file explorer and see that there's a drive mounted there as well. Startup Sentinel. Very simple. What you're going to do is you're going to click on the word scanner, and you're going to click on clear user data. Or you can click on the micro SD card icon, which is also the clear user data icon. And you might be presented with a blank window that shows up that says select micro SD card. If you have a micro SD card listed in there, go ahead and select it and click on OK. OK. But if you've never used this micro SD card for Sentinel before, the window is going to be blank. It's not going to have anything in it. What you're going to want to do at the bottom of the screen is going to say display all drivers or all devices or all drives rather. Display all drives is what it says. You're going to click on that little box and then you will get a list of all of the micro SD cards that are mounted on your computer. You'll click on that one and click on OK. That will then format that card for use with sentinel from that point forward it's basically has the home patrol stuff loaded on there so that when you go ahead and you use that card with sentinel it's going to know that it is a sentinel used card or a in card for one of their radios now part two how do you copy a previously loaded sd card to another one this, again, is very simple. If you have Sentinel and you already have a profile set up in Sentinel, well, all you can do is just pop in a new card and continue to write to that card. Once you've cleared user data and that and Sentinel thinks that it's a Home Patrol radio, you can just scanner, upload the scanner to every card that you put in there that has been cleared of user data. Or you can go into File Explorer, Explorer and copy the entire contents of that micro SD card to another SD card. What I normally do is I'll take that micro SD card and I'll copy the entire content to a directory on my computer that creates a backup of that SD card. And then I could just drag all the information and drop it onto another card. There's nothing in there to worry about as far as bootloading or anything else like that. As long as you've gone through the clear user data first and then that card becomes basically a bootable card for Sentinel or the Home Patrol scanners. Again, once you've got the clear user data done, which we did in step one, any SD card can be just dragged and dropped, copied information, just flat copied over, or program with Sentinel as if it is a scanner. And just do write to scanner, write to scanner, write to scanner, and it will continue to keep writing your profile to each one of those cards. This is a great idea to do, especially if you're going to be road tripping with a scanner and you might lose power with a scanner because what ends up happening too is the scanner is always writing to that micro SD card. The frequency list, the audio files that are being saved, scan list that are being toggled off and on, those are always on the card. And when you turn off the scanner, that's why it says writing to SD card. It basically closes the SD card, finalizes writing to it, and puts it in a safe spot basically so that it's not corrupt if you cut power to the radio chances are you might corrupt the SD card when you do that you may have now extra cards in backup because you've made copies of your SD card take out the corrupt SD card slide it in of a new one turn the radio back on again voila you're back up and running now you take that corrupt SD card you bring it into where your computer is you do a step 1 again you clear user data you rewrite the the, the uh, profile from Sentinel back to that micro SD card, or you drag all your files using Explorer back over the SD card, and now you've got another fresh backup copy of your micro SD card. Very easy, simple steps to do here. Okay, how do we update the firmware? Two ways to do this one. You can plug the scanner into the computer and put it into mass storage mode. Then you go into update on sentinel and just click on update firmware that will push the latest flash to the micro sd card which is then read from the sd card to the scanner when the scanner reboots or we can just plug in an sd card into our computer same deal scanner update scanner mount that sd card when it asks you what sd card do you want to save it to it will write to the micro SD card that's in your external SD card reader as if it was a scanner. Now you've got the firmware on that micro SD card. You can take that micro SD card, put it into your scanner. Bada bing. It will then take the upload that way as well. By far, the easiest, best way to do it is physically to connect the scanner to the computer. But again, if your scanner is out in the car and your micro SD card and your computer in the house, just bring bring the SD card in. That's the best way to do it. All right. This one is a bit lengthy here but we can get through it on a podcast episode. How do you set up a favorites list? Simple steps. But let's do your first question, your last question before this one, is how do you update the database? All you'll do on that one is you'll click on update, and then you'll click on update master database. That'll drag in basically from the LinkedIn website, the radio reference updates, and put it into the master database. Then when you write to your scanner, you can tell it to write master database, but it will also re- redo the database in your Sentinel software. Okay, now let's go back over to question before here. How do you set up a favorites list? The first thing to remember is once you create a favorites list, you've disconnected it from the Home Patrol database. No matter how many times you do a database update in Sentinel, it will never change what's in your favorites list. Let me say that again. No matter how many times you update the Home Patrol database, it will never update what's in your favorites list your favorites list has now been separated from the database if you want to update what's in your favorites list you will have to go into the database and perform an update or write to that favorites list again so again how do we write or set up a favorites list well the first thing we're going to want to do is we're going to click on the database on the tree on the left hand side of sentinel you'll want to click a plus next to your country whether it be usa or canada because that's all it's supported Scroll down to your state. Once you get down to the state, you're going to want to go to your county. And you're going to want to click on the plus to the left of the county. And then you'll want to click on either nationwide, statewide, or county systems. So nationwide systems are stuff like Red Cross, amateur radio, Coast Guard, aviation, right, maritime use, railroads, anything that's in the national side of radio reference. Statewide systems could be anything that is from boundary to boundary of your state. So whether it be state police or businesses, right, offices of emergency management, parks, forestry services, right, whatever is in there for a state system and radio reference would show up there. Your countywide systems are states that are only in use by your county, whether it be uh, countywide trunk systems, conventional sites, et cetera, et cetera. It's all going to be under the same heading name as you see in radio reference. So what you will do is you will scroll into or, or again, tear into the next layer here, which would be the local county subheading that you want to go to. So if you want to do fire, you would open fire. If you want to do police, you open police, right? So you'll see that under your county name or you may find it under your local trunk system. For example, if I am looking at the Nassau County system here on Long Island, I would navigate to New York, Nassau. Then I would go and open up county systems. Then I would go ahead and open up Nassau. And from there, I will see all of my subheadings for the frequencies, such as local fire EMS battalion one, local fire EMS battalion two, right? These are all the subheadings that we see in the radio reference database. If I scroll down and I go into Nassau County public safety, that's the trunk system. And from there again, I can see county police, EMS, countywide fire, countywide interop. What you can do is you can take, for example, ace, a one of these categories. When you right, when you left click on it, it will select it. Then on the right hand side, you'll get a list of the frequencies of talk groups. You've got two ways of creating a favorites list here. On the left hand side, you can just right click. You can append the favorites list, and then you can either select a favorites list that's already defined. Or you can click on new favorites list, name your favorites list, and then that will save it as a new favorites list. If you just have a couple of frequencies you want, on the right pane, you can select the frequencies. And again, you can shift-click or control-click to pick many, right-click, append the favorites list. And just as before, we can click on new favorites list to create a new favorites list. Or we can scroll through, find existing favorites list that we want, save it to an existing list. And that is how you create a favorites list using sentinel once you've got that process down you can just keep rinse washing and repeating you can put as many things or as little things as you want in a ferret list so you can mix and match trunk systems sites conventional frequencies multiple different types of trunk systems so if you want to do p25 and edax and dmr on a list you can do that all in here as well just make sure you save everything out make sure then you write to the scanner and then make sure again that you've set that up as well to scan one of the things you've got to make sure you do is you go into your profile and you go into service types and make sure that all of your service types are enabled anything that you have that is not checked will not be scanned and will effectively be locked out of your scanner so again Definitely a question that is better suited for a tutoring session. Again, you can book me or anybody can book me by going to scannerschool.com tutoring. But that is the step-by-step guide. If you follow along with the audio, you should be able to follow along with the steps I provided and at least get you up and running with a couple of favorites lists. Or if not the favorites list, at least get the other four out of five completed that you were looking for. All right. Now, let's figure out who is going to win this week's tutoring session. So, in front of me, I've got numbers one, two, and three on a spreadsheet. And one will be Ed, two will be Jake, and three will be Scott. And what we're going to do here is we are going to set up a random cell, as always, which will pick one, two, or three. And I'm going to hit the refresh key five times. This way it gives it a chance to cycle through. And it's not just I loaded the website up or the web page up. And it just picked the number for me. So we're going to do a refresh here. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five. All right, here we go. Ed, you are our winner for the month. Ed, please email me, phil at scannerschool.com, and we will send you a code that you can use to book a tutoring session for free. I really want to thank you again for submitting your question. Also, again, Jake and Scott, thank you both again for also Asking your questions this month. And now this is my request to everybody else out there. I am out of voicemail questions. Those were the last three that were in the hopper. So if you have a question that you would like me to answer on an upcoming Ask Scanner School session, please use our voicemail lines to ask that question. So pick up the phone. Go to 516-308-2885. Again, that goes straight to voicemail. You you will not talk to me if if you you hit that number. It will go right to voicemail. I'll take that file and add it into the next week's podcast. Or you can go to ScannerSchool.com slash ask. Click on the SpeakPipe link and then use your tablet or your computer to leave me a voicemail. Or you can just type it in on the form that is there as well. Don't forget, you can catch us tonight over on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Maybe we'll even be on TikTok going live. I don't know how well it's going to work. But we will try it out. And then for anybody who is an extra credit Patreon supporter, you will also be able to catch us on our Patreon roundtable discussion that immediately follows the public live Q&A session that happens over on YouTube. Again, check your Patreon dashboard for all of that information. And as always, if you found anything in here interesting that maybe somebody else you know may benefit from hearing, please share this podcast that is how we can help more people to scan a radio hobby. And again, it's very easy to share. Just share in an email, right? Hey, check out this podcast episode or share this on you know Facebook or Twitter or anywhere else that you happen to share things. This will definitely – it's my goal, right? My goal is to help as many people as possible and I need your help to be able to do that. So don't forget also to subscribe to this podcast episode so you can get next week's podcast delivered. We have a great episode queued up for you and ready to go. I hope to see you all tonight, and uh, again, if not, you can catch us on our replay. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School, where we answer all of your scanner radio questions. We'll talk again next week, 73.